Welcome to the Rose Garden. I'm Holly. And I'm Julia. And we're desperate for the rose. We're back with more Desperate Housewives. It is episode two of season one, Every Day a Little Death. It is January 16th, 2005. Every Day a Little Death is a song from a little night music, and it is a song time, of course, and all about how marriage is basically killing her slowly. Her marriage is killing her slowly. Her husband's cheating and like, she's just, and controlling. She's in this, it's like France, I think, in a very controlling time period, early 1900s, maybe. I could be wrong about that. (laughs) Uh, But also, a little death is a euphemism in French for an orgasm. So just another fun little fact. Doesn't really tie in with the song much when you actually kind of dive into it. But la petite morte? is French for orgasm. Wow. Huh. The more you know, I do have to say this is episode 12. Holly said episode two. That's okay. <laughs> did I say two? You did say two. I'm, I'm excited to hear you listen back to this. Because I very much didn't think I said that. I thought I said 12. I mean, that's, you know, we can pretend. These songs are very dark. Like, oh, sometimes really dark. It's kind of sad to see how misogynistic a lot of the themes are in this. But you know what? (laughs) These poor women, they have to deal with a lot. They really do. We start with Martha. So I think it's clear that Everyday Little Death is extra literal on Wisteria (laughs) because there's just constant death. Martha always fantasized about something exciting happening to her, like, you know, a kidnapping or a sugar daddy or being discovered. (laughs) Such an attention-seeking little (laughs) dream of excitement. Like, none of it has to do with exciting experiences. It's all about the attention received. Do you ever ever remember feeling like that as a kid? Like, occasionally, you would think to yourself, like, man, if I just got cancer right now, like everyone would give me so much attention. And like, is it that bad or would it be worth it to experience? Well, I always think of the people who go to school on crutches when you're like, you definitely don't need crutches. (laughs) Like you just want, you maybe hurt yourself a little bit and wanted to milk it for all it's worth. And I get it. I get it. That definitely makes sense to me. As a child, I was always like, oh, I've never broken a bone. I want to cast right everyone gets their cast signed like it's so like, cool everyone pays I need attention to, to you right right I need to break an arm somebody I and I never had anything like that happen to me when I was young enough to want that kind of attention and then I really I it felt like karmic payback when I was a teenager and always on crutches in a wheelchair <laughs> having surgery I was like this is what I get for being jealous that I'd never broken a bone <laughs> for real and honestly it shows like when you're a kid like a little kid how naive you are to like mortality and and just like and that's why it's so funny that Martha like fantasizes about this as an adult yeah that's true because she kept this kept on going although at least in the sequence in the like fantasies the kidnapping one was while she was a child and it turned into being discovered by a Hollywood agent and like (laughs) getting a rich husband and stuff makes sense but and I like that progression because honestly relatable am I Martha it like it goes from like wanting the attention of like being hurt not realizing that the all the consequences to like how do I uh find a way to never have to work again a day in my life. 
Yes. And how, I will be how can I I do to. Things, right. Like, how can I do things not too illicitly? But <laughs> I was always just going to marry rich and then be a famous actress, obviously. Like, I was Martha. I, it's, it is relatable. Honestly, we love her. Martha is my MVP. I'm calling it right now. She's dead and she's my MVP. Bring her back. I've decided right now. And <laughs> unfortunately, just like life is cruel to me and my many surgeries as a teenager, life was cruel to Martha and her life was completely boring until the day she died when so Paul good. murders her, fulfilling all her fantasies. So funny. And also, while her body's being investigated, somebody decides to bring that to her attention. Yeah, saying, a Decides to chat with the corpse and be like, hey, Martha, you know, you're you're going to be all over the news now. Lots of attention on you. What the actual fuck? I always forget this scene (laughs) happens and then I see it and it rushes back to me of me going, oh, my God, this scene happened. (laughs) I completely forgot about it until watching it this time. And then really thinking, like, why have I always missed this? This is so bizarre. It is. Just one of those tiny little scenes that's just so weird and I really enjoy. You're just like, what the fuck is this cop doing? <laughs> and and like her corpse smile. He thinks he sees her corpse smile about this. Right. And Which maybe I did not wrong. Obviously this is implied, but I just had to bring it around, you know, full circle that now that she's dead, her life has become interesting. So oh, people are like, oh, she was murdered. Like now, now there's something about her that and that that also kind of when you're a child you're like if I was dead what would all these people say about me oh my god what would my sort of thing what would my funeral be like yes people crying at my funeral (laughs) who's gonna say what um what picture are they (laughs) oh my god I used to be like they're gonna find videos of me singing and play it And everyone's going to be like, wow, this girl, this beautiful singer is dead. And that would go viral. I love it. You would be, become TikTok famous for your funeral. <laughs> there was not TikTok at the time I was fantasizing about this. Just to clarify when these um, thoughts Oh, occurred. very true. To you wouldn't clarify, have been. Um... I don't even think Facebook was really a thing. By viral, I think I meant on the news. Uh, MySpace? <laughs> My video of me singing is going to go viral on MySpace when I die. It's just like a bunch of like posts of Jeffree Star and then a Holly Staten's funeral. Me singing musical theater or opera. I love it. I want this era in my life now. should have happened. Honestly, missed opportunity. (laughs) Well, all the neighbors uh, flock to Martha's house where Felicia, her sister, is addressing the crowd (laughs) so blasé about her death we're like, really starting most- to get f- to know felicia in this moment she sees the vultures out there and she's like i'm gonna give them exactly what they want and then everyone's gonna be very uncomfortable i love felicia for this honestly second mvp <laughs> and her voice with the two uh, describing how she violently died apparently there was a struggle <laughs> <laughs> it's so she goes into so much detail. There was dirt found in her lungs, meaning she was buried alive. But the good news is, apparently there were no signs she had been molested. 
<laughs> in lieu of a funeral, I'll be holding an estate sale tomorrow. Please, no personal checks. <laughs> Walks inside. And the neighbors are like, up. I love her so much. <laughs> the neighbors are like, what the actual fuck? Everyone's so uncomfortable. It's like my mom telling a joke about at my expense at a party. Everyone's just like, I do not know how to respond to this. Is this what would happen at your funeral too? Probably. (laughs) Oh, Holly, you know, when she lost her license and she would probably joke that I died in a drunk car accident. (laughs) (laughs) You know, she likes to joke that I got my DUI. Maybe Uh, that'll feed into my death jokes. Well, we also like to joke that your dad is like Tom Scavo. Your mom is like Felicia Tillman. <laughs> <laughs> she would kill me and then make that joke at my funeral. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, it's too good. It really oh. is. It's so accurate. Tom and Felicia. If Tom and... Oh no, it's Felicity. I was like, the actress's name is Felicia. It's not, it's Felicity Huffman. <laughs> close, close enough though. Weird Honestly, enough close enough to be eerie. Right. So <laughs> uh, then we- Speaking of Lynette. We, speaking of Lynette and Tom, but Tom's not in this episode at all. Tom Lynette- was working some other job. He's not available. I don't think he had a full-time contract this first season. <laughs> no, he, there were lots of episodes where he's just in and out. Yeah, um, he was maybe doing a movie. <laughs> maybe eh, high hopes for that. <laughs> some some other work. They he wasn't hot. They didn't need him that much. He became a bigger character later on. They were like, okay, we'll give him a full time deal. You know, it's interesting. The husbands become bigger roles in the show That's later. True. We've on. talked about that about how we feel as though they started out trying to really narrow in on just the women, but. I think except for, except for Carlos, I will say from the get-go, they always wanted Carlos, I think, to be a big role in Gabby's life. And, and I think that's you know. a little uh, misogynistic of it, them, in fact, because I feel like they're, it's almost as though that's all Gabby has to yeah. focus on. So, like, that's what, because, you know, oh, she's just a former model. Her only thing is her current marriage so and her affair. So, like, that, because later on, honestly, is when we start to get more of Gabby's dynamic outside of Carlos, but Carlos still is a major player always because he's just in fan fave, fan fave. It definitely does flip, which I think is interesting because, yeah, we don't know much about who Gabby is. We learn about more who she is later. We know a lot about who the other women are at first. And then we kind of learn not maybe less, but there's just more focus on their relationships and other dynamics. Yeah, and getting to know their partners and such. Yeah, exactly. So Lynette uh, is going to a yoga class and she gets turned away because she brings her boys and the daycare is full. Uh, Parker. um, Yeah, she brings Penny and Parker because Parker is homesick. So she thinks she should still go to yoga, leaving her sick child at daycare, which is her first problem. Why the fuck are you bringing your sick kid to go infect everybody else? You know what's wild is like at this time that was so normal. Oh my like, would have done it. <laughs> I know. And I like think about it now. school sick all the time. Yeah. And now, I mean, I think this has evolved quite a bit over the last 10 years, but obviously dramatically right. since the pandemic. Like now no one does that. You but it think, is just, but it's shockingly there are yeah. some people. It's like 
real common and yeah right right yeah but it's just crazy to me because kids spread shit so fast I mean dreading finding out how monkeypox does now that school's back in session yeah actually crazy it's gonna be a fucking nightmare but yeah that was not uh Lynette's only flaw here she was also late so all the slots are full and they don't have room for her two children and she's furious at the yoga the front desk lady for turning her down and wishes that she has lots of children (laughs) she's like oh well one day I hope you have lots of children it's like because she tries to pull the sick she's like I have a sick kid I have four kids all this stuff and she's like we've all got problems chill out lady honestly she's so right we're supposed to think this front desk lady is the villain here she is not Lynette. No, not at all. And Lynette's being a Karen here. Like, stop. You don't such deserve- a Ka- Lynette's such a Karen. She um, really is. No offense to Karen McCluskey, who I don't think we've met, actually. Never mind. <laughs> we haven't met, but like, yeah, that the name Karen does Karen McCluskey. They named the wrong person Karen in that dynamic. Just saying. Yeah, it true. wasn't a thing back then. Karen's didn't exist. They should have picked a better name because Karen McCluskey is a ride or die. Anyway, so. The girls gather for poker at Lynette's house and Lynette puts the kids like, tries to entertain them with gum (laughs) as they play poker and Edie crashes. Well, she's not really trying to crash, but she's trying to invite everyone to go scatter Martha's ashes with her and sees that they're playing poker. And it's like, oh, you have a poker game? I love poker. And all the girls are just silent. It's so mean. It is so mean and also makes me think like, how they kept this from her so secretive for however many years they've been doing mm-hmm. this like that's oh, actually Tuesday. wild that's actually wild that they like didn't that Edie's just now being like oh you're playing poker I love poker yeah and yeah it's almost like they isolated they exiled poor Edie to go be with Martha and Ida Greenberg who like they don't like the old ladies they don't socialize with yeah Edie invites them all to scatter Martha's ashes and everyone has a good excuse except for Susan who has no excuse but still says she's busy and I love Edie for calling her out being like well your friends are much better liars than you so good those are the little Edie quips that I'm just like fucking yes just straight (laughs) up love it (laughs) meanwhile while they've been doing this Parker let the twins put all the gum in his hair there was so much gum. They chewed the entire pack of gum and strung it all around Parker's head, rendering his hair unsalvageable. <laughs> and Lynette has to bring out the razor and shave that boy's head. Oh, and it benefited Lynette because when she shows up to yoga again with Parker, the front lady desk thinks our front desk lady thinks that he has cancer. So then she's like, oh, it's fine. Like you can come into the session. You said you're late. Kid, I had no idea. Awful. She feels so bad. <laughs> and Lynette just lets her feel bad and totally uses it, plays it up the next when she knows she's 10 minutes late to yoga. We should see that clock. It is 10 10. And she takes off Parker's baseball cap. So, oh, it was a rough morning. Really plays it up. So fucked up. And then the front desk lady is like, I have someone who really wants to meet your son. 
she's a survivor. <laughs> the woman's like, I survived breast cancer. You're going to be a tough little sol- soldier and get through this. Mommy, am I dying? <laughs> no, because Lynette's like, I cannot make my keep this up and make my son think he's dying so I'm just gonna throw in the towel admit defeat but like she does it so flippantly and casually she's like you're not sick people just think that because I shaved your head and she just kind of walks out totally accepting the shame that's coming with it and knowing she's never gonna walk back and I I'm very torn between like hating this move and also like just the like casualness that she acts like what she did is kind of almost funny it, yeah, I, I I have mixed feelings about it too. But it's also funny. <laughs> it, it's funny. It's very funny. And like, you know, I guess it's a good mom move. Better you're than keeping up the kid. lie, right? Right. And you're also not trying to like escalate drama around it. You're just saying, all right, it's time to go. Like, sorry, bye. I, I surrender. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm just going to walk away and take the L on this one. Yeah. Um, But... Moving on from Lynette to Brie this episode. Brie is continuing to date George strictly for the reasons behind making Rex jealous. (laughs) Of making Rex jealous. Only only allowing physical contact if Rex is watching. She otherwise like avoids all attempts he makes at holding her, touching her, anything. It's so funny. So he's getting stuff out of her trunk because I guess they were like grocery shopping or out shopping in general, doing something. And uh, George is like, you know, I understand why you don't want to show affection. Like you're still married, blah, blah, blah. She goes, well, I would rather cut off my hand than hurt his feelings. She slams the trunk closed and almost chops off George's hand. I love that you noticed that little detail because it's such a good little moment. The whole time she's so focused on getting Rex's attention so we can <sighs> see while also refusing to invite George in under the reasons behind not wanting to rub it in Rex's face. But really, she just doesn't want to get closer to him. I, I had to note it because like no one says something like I would rather cut off my hand. <laughs> so like being- <laughs> no, Martha, Martha or Felicia would say that. Right, right. So the fact that she said it and then almost chopped off George's hand, it was just brilliant. So good. And I, God, the the writers, this is where they really come through. It's like, it's in the details. It is. Um, George takes her on a date in the park. Also a little reference to Sunday in the park with George, which is an episode title later, but it's coming through right now. It is. Um, and gives her a pearl-handled handgun that's been passed down from his grand... So a family heirloom <laughs> that he wants her to have because, you know, she's in the NRA. And this is the first time she's like, oh, George. And she's like, allows physical contact. He puts his hand on her thigh and she accepts it because she's so turned on by this handgun. <laughs> so ridiculous. And like, so horny for this gun. Not yeah. him at all. She no. takes him shooting. Is so excited to take him shooting. They go to like some farm to shoot bottles off a fence at night. What farm is, are they on? Like, is it an abandoned farm? What is it's happening? so strange. Like whatever they're doing is really fishy like I think they're doing some illegal they're like trespassing on an abandoned farm and the fact that it's nighttime makes it so much more sus like so clearly clearly the worst thing that happened was shooting 
George's toe off and I not know. Being, being murdered. Seriously. Um, speaking of, <laughs> she's showing him how to shoot and like she's so into showing him how to shoot and the gun. And he's so focused on her and trying to flirt with her and trying to get closer to her and tries to kiss her as she's showing him how to pull the trigger. Oh, he's George, so dumb. What the fuck, George? What were you so on you? Like, I, I'm just speechless. And then to later be like, you hurt by her pulling away from your kiss. That was at the worst possible. T- she's literally has her finger on the trigger of a gun. She's like, what are you doing? She's confused. Like, it's not rejection. It's shock. Right. Not knowing how to respond. It's like the time in high school when I had a stage kiss in our show and my director didn't have us do it until t- dress rehearsal. And he did it at the, went for it at the wrong time. A time that wasn't in the script. He totally was just incorrect. And I like fully backed away and everyone made like a whole joke about it. And I felt bad for like him feeling like, awkward and embarrassed about leaving him for the kiss when he didn't know because we should have had it rehearsed you know yeah but like I wasn't expecting it it wasn't like I was like oh I what yeah I know that that's just like that's on you bud no like, you're wrong time wrong wrong time wrong place well she ended up squeezing the trigger and shooting off his middle toe Goes to the just hospital. the middle one, so it shouldn't affect his balance too much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Goes to the hospital, gives him flowers, and tries to ease his concerns. And he is so distracted, not at the fact that his toe is gone, but that she pulled away from the kiss, like you talked about. And he starts to guilt her about it. Like, oh, you know, you, you just clearly, like, I'll never be enough for you, blah, blah, blah. So later he shows up at her house with his crutches and he, he is like, she's one of those reminding me of the attention seeking people wearing crutches. Right. Right. No, totally. That's hilarious. Um, just hobble. Right. Right. Just hobble. I always did. Honestly, so much better to hobble than use crutches. Fuck crutches. Yeah. Crutches suck. I always dished him for hobbling. So Brie um, tells him that, you know, she's she's probably still hung up on Rex. They shouldn't be dating. Um, they She also doesn't think that they should really be friends right now. No, because George is like, you know what? That's fine. I thought about it. You're right. We can be friends. I just don't want to lose you. And she's like, this isn't a good idea. Like, if you, won't you keep having feelings for me? Like, this isn't, like, this is just going to be not work. And George is like, gets all flustered. It's like, fine, you know, I'm leaving. And then trips on her stairs and then screams at her as she's trying to help. He's like, I don't need you. I don't need anyone. (laughs) He fully falls over. It's so funny. She tries to help and he's just like, nope, get away from me. Completely. It's like, Jesus Christ. She's just trying to help you. Poor Brie. She really, yeah, messed with the, she, she, she got involved the wrong with the wrong to yeah try to make Rex jealous. It is really wild to like how easily that can happen. You're in a vulnerable place and like somebody's nice to you, and suddenly that person you didn't realize was crazy. I want to give her some credit too, because she literally told him in the hospital, she's like, you know what? I'm sorry. This I shouldn't have been, you know, dating you right now. I shouldn't have been doing this when I'm yeah. definitely not ready. And that was wrong. I, I said things in a 
I was like upset and hurt and I totally wrote off Rex, but I don't, I'm not over him and this mm-hmm. is wrong and I shouldn't hurt you. So we should end things. Like she did this, the, she did everything she, did she right. could to try yeah. to, you know, rectify what happened and be able to move on in a clean break. But she picked the wrong man. Well, also like, I just, I, she was so manipulated by George to date him. Very like true. the only instance in which I think she just was totally using her own, you know, issues with Rex is the pharmacy incident where she saw the woman in the wheelchair and she was like, that's going to be my future. And, like, I must blurts out inviting him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Other yeah. than that, like she was fully manipulated to date him. Completely. Um, and we'll circle it back to them at the very, very end. But meanwhile, let's get to Susan. Susan t- chats with Felicia in her little kind of fake inquiries about how she's doing and how things are going you know just the whole every time I just don't buy that no and right and no one no one should like anytime Susan does that it's like okay bitch what do you want (laughs) and like yeah and Felicia mentions at some point that she's looking for Martha's journals and that Martha wrote everything down in her journals everything about her mundane little life or whatever she says boring boring life she's so mean (laughs) and susan's like fuck she definitely wrote that i burned edie's house down because that's not boring (laughs) (laughs) right right. um she's freaking out and um of course you goes to julie to freak out and julie's like you need to tell her the truth um it's about time are you high (laughs) (laughs) she's like time to suck it up and suck up to edie Britt." she also I love that Julie goes even that is in my journal (laughs) she's like even in my journal that's some good tea I when I was watching this I was thinking back on like when people stopped using journals like this like we I feel like we still people still have their like journals or diaries for like mental health reasons or whatever that's becoming more of a trend I was like I feel like people still do but that's but like but it's not at all like Dear diary, today I <laughs> please today, write us and let us know if you have a diary that you write into in that format of dear diary and documenting your life because I would love to know. I think Maybe that's incredible. I think people do it when they, it. people do it when they travel, which I think is really mm-hmm. neat. Like that makes people sense. will take like notes about like what they did that day. Like, oh, we walked through Italy and we went to this. I think it's weird for an adult to have a journal about their everyday life. Like I'm sure kids still do it. I feel like that's probably still a thing, but you're, you're right. It's very like, you wouldn't ever think of someone grown adult adult having a journal. And I feel like now that I think about it, like never in my lifetime could it. No, that's the thing. I don't think that's a time thing. I think it's just weird that Martha's like 60. And has a journal. And she's writing about her day-to-day things. Yeah. Today I tried to manipulate Mike into it's for people who have serious main character imposter syndrome where they want to be a main character, but they know so badly they're a side character and want to make themselves a main character by narrating their life as though they are the main character. That's hilarious. The idea of doing that as an adult is so funny to me. Start doing it. I'm going to channel my inner Martha. Maybe that's like the new, like, that's what manifesting is now. Like when people say like, I have, like, I was listening to this podcast with this guy was like, oh yeah, when I manifest, I'll put something like, 
I'm going to LA in two weeks or I am, uh, I have a new girlfriend, like as if he has those things now. And I'm like, wow, that sounds like a five-year-old talking about their life. I have a thriving career. I have an apartment that I'm planning on moving into. It's a great deal in a great location. I have a job waiting for me and um, a life partner and dog as well. All these things I have. That is modern day diary writing. (laughs) Meanwhile, my diary is going to be me like writing like Martha watching and spying and eavesdropping on everybody and just writing down all their tea, but also filtered through my lens. So it's all probably incorrect. (laughs) So funny. I love this whole concept. I will be publishing it. Get ready, everybody. Manifesting. I I am writing this book. I'm feeling inspired. Like thinking about the next time I go to like an event or something, like I come home and write about the event. Please do and please send it. I saw a group of people that looked like they were having a good time. You just project an entire fantasy onto these random strangers you're staring at. Yeah. That's yeah. Martha, honestly, Desperate Housewives is actually just through Martha's lens and everything's just exacerbated to the nines because she's fucking Can you imagine herself more interesting? That would have been the plot twist. If the show wasn't gonna last eight seasons, that's what they should have done. They should have ended the show with the if it was plot canceled, twist saying none of this is actually true. This is just the way Martha saw things. This is Martha's diary. <laughs> like it's like kind of gossip girly. Yeah, Mary Alice did kill herself, but there's no actual dark plot behind it. Um, none, of Mar- none of the, everything after that is just Martha's fantasy. <laughs> oh, We've gotten okay. to the bottom of Desperate Housewives. Major, major tangent there. Anyway, um, Susan cannot confess to Edie, no matter how hard she tries. So instead, uh, she volunteers to go with her to scatter Martha's ashes. and. This is where we get the whole little Edie Susan saga, which Edie is also MVP. Uh, oh, absolutely. It's so good. They get a flat and Susan changes the tire, even though Edie has AAA. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Edie calls Susan out for it too. She's like, I bet you were a cheerleader in high school. She's like, yeah, we're still in high school. You're the popular girl who's only nice to me when you want something. So what the fuck do you want, Meyer? and Susan's still a little bitch and won't say so she's like fine you know what I don't have time for your shit let's go they row on out to the middle of the lake to dump the ashes where Edie is then having an emotional moment where she cries and says you know you're just being so nice to me I feel so bad you know I've been so mean to you all these years and here you are being nice to me and you're everyone else like bailed and you're the only one who came through to me we never really get any moment confirming that Edie is totally pulling one over on Susan to try to get her to admit what the fuck she wants but I am convinced that is what just oh me too I mean me too there's just no way like there's to like turn around Sheridan is too good of an actress to have played it that way without it having been intentional acting Right, like you're acting you know yeah no it was really good so good like for that because she it works Susan blurts out I burnt your house down and then she asks she begs for her uh, forgiveness right then and there I'm like Susan 
give it some time. Jesus Christ. She's literally like, I burned your house down. I'm so, so sorry. Can you forgive me? Can you find a way to forgive me? I'm like, um, in what world is that how apologies work? (laughs) No, I will not forgive you instant. I'm going to throw Martha's ashes in your face, bitch. Row me back now. <laughs> Love Edie. This is such a good move. They she they drive back together. Susan's still covered in ashes, which I love. And Susan's still groveling. Edie's like, you know what? I'm not fucking telling the police. Shut up. Stop groveling. I'm not calling the police. That'll delay my check. But you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna invite me to poker because fuck you and your friends. I might not go. I'm certainly not bringing a dish. But you know what? I'm getting an invitation and it will be my choice to not be at poker. So good. That's the ultimate revenge. High school bullied revenge. And also at one point, Susan's like, I would have talked to you in high school. I'm like, you won't even talk to her now. Yeah, I love how Edie goes, of all the lies you've ever told, that one is the worst. worst. (laughs) Because she's like, you're so full of shit. Susan, I also just love thinking about the fact that Nicolette Sheridan has also called Terry Hatcher the meanest woman alive. Oh my God. Like how much is this like really what's going on also? Although honestly, it sounds like Terry Hatcher was the outsider because no one liked her. Right, right. But (laughs) Susan is like, okay, I better go shower Martha off. And he's like, hold up. I can't bear to think of Martha just being rinsed down the drain. I have an idea. What about right here? I'll hose you down on your front lawn so she can watch over her house in the neighborhood. It's what she would have wanted, which is true. It is. Very true. true. Martha was Edie's best friend. As we get reminded over and over again. (laughs) And I want to point out that Felicia called Edie first. Edie is the first person in the neighborhood to know the news that Martha's body was discovered. That's true. It's so the friendship is genuine. It's real. Um, and I think we really they really kind of play downplay it like it is kind of a funny thing that they're friends, but they really were friends. And I just I know it's sweet. It's, it's really cute. sweet. Um, but moving from Susan over to Mike's little subplot. He comes home to see that Noah has taken all of his stuff back, his creepy investigation board, the money, the gun, whatever, all of it, left a voicemail saying, you're too slow. I took it back. You're fired. How the fuck did he get it all back? Very strange. I think he hired someone to go in, break into the house. Because he left a mess. So clearly, like, they probably just broke the lock or something. Have we met the guy that doesn't like Mike that works for Noah? Do you know who I'm talking about? I, I do, and I don't think we have. Okay, maybe that's I don't think we have. Um, so probably, yeah, it's his goon. It's probably Noah's goon. Yeah. Um, and Mike goes to, Gen- goes to Noah to demand his stuff back, and Noah calls him out for being abandoning Deirdre. This is the information that actually is kind of relevant and important to catch, is that he's like, you know what? You're too slow. You abandoned. Why should I believe that you're going to come through? You abandoned Deirdre. And found yourself a safe, nice, safe wife, leaving my daughter to rot. So I think we had already learned at this point that Deirdre was Noah's daughter and clearly Mike's past lover. But now we find out that Noah's dying and has cancer and wants to find out answers before he dies. So they make up over wine and Noah says that, you know what, 
You can continue the investigation. You've already killed for her once. Mike's a murderer. T. Honestly, I love Mike in this episode. We barely see him, but he's wearing that really cool leather jacket. And just the way that he carries himself, I'm like, Mike, you could do no wrong here. You know, I don't know what you did, but best dressed. (laughs) Mike in his leather jacket. We got a man, everybody. Yeah, honestly, the other outfits did kind of suck. There was nothing. Yeah, I was really bored by everyone's outfits. So Mike gets my best dressed. I do have to say Edie, though, looked stunning in her like funeral looking dress and heels, like strappy heels when they were on the side of the road. Edie looks so stunning. And Susan looks so frumpy. So bad with her weird purple cardigan. I was going to say, why was she in a purple sweater? She looks like she was ready for like Easter mass <laughs> or something. She's always a stupid cardigan. She really is. Ugh. Moving on to Carlos, who's home from jail, uh, but he's on house arrest. So he can't work and they are living out off of poor Gabby's boat show money because she's doing shitty modeling jobs where she's on her feet 10 hours a day, horrible, making zero cash. She brings home KFC for Carlos, who then has the audacity to be like, so, you know, you're going to visit Mama and then bring up like having a baby, which he knows she doesn't want. It's so, so many things at once. Like one on the couch. One, like he doesn't have any respect or acknowledgement how much she's worked. Two, he asks her why she hasn't spent the time to visit Mama when she's been working 10 hours a day. Three, he brings up the baby. It's like, huh? How inconsiderate could you get? The worst. Carlos is awful. Just awful for this. And I love Gabby so much because Gabby's like, "Uh, you want me to have a baby? On top of all that, like this shit, like, no, absolutely not. He's he's like, I'm still the man of this house. She's like, the man of this house? (laughs) Takes that fried chicken and walks right on across the street. Man of the house, you can't even leave it. (laughs) I love these little petty Gabby Carlos spats. They're so fun. (laughs) Me too. And like when she's sitting there eating it, she's like, mmm, crispy, kind of burnt on the outside, but steamy on the inside. (laughs) And he takes one step forward, the thing starts, starts beeping at him. <laughs> is house arrest? I guess it probably depends on the crime. But like, is it ever really that limiting? Like where you just cannot actually leave your house? I think it is. That's pretty crazy. Because I have seen people with ankle monitors that like can go to the store. Can- yeah, there's somewhere oh. it's like a curfew thing. It's like more about yeah. tracking where. So in case they like, there is a bigger distance, but I think there are definitely situations where it's house yeah, rest. House but you yeah. Assu- presumably have to have someone able to take care of you essentially. In right. That scenario. Like you couldn't, I couldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Although in this day and age, you can have everything delivered, but this was 2005. Yeah. No, no. That's like, January 2005. You can't do that. You don't have Postmates. You don't even have apps on your phone. Right. You have a flip phone. Also, not to mention, like, all of his accounts are frozen. So if he didn't have Gabby working, like, how would he? Right. He's still, the lawyer's still working on getting the accounts unfrozen. So they I'm still so confused by that. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure none of that is accurate. (laughs) Oh, so good. Uh, But then later, Carlos is like, okay, you know what? I'm, I think I'm going to jail and you'll leave me. 
clearly this is where the roots of all his issues are coming from is that he wants her to have a baby so to make him feel like she won't leave him basically to trap her is why he wants her to have a baby and he makes her promise to never leave him if it does happen she's like okay very much like a I mean I guess whatever shut up like if you'll (laughs) shut up yes I promise like what weirdo like why are you talking about something that hasn't happened yet it's also like particularly frustrating if the relationship is rocky at the time because he's like doing illicit shit going to jail and to like put her in the position of being like you must promise it is not an okay thing to ask of her right now because she doesn't so many other factors could go into it to make prompt her to leave him if he goes to jail like is it because you were knowingly complicit in slave labor practices maybe i want to leave your ass okay yeah i know bad timing also it's giving parallels to like george and brie where like that not an appropriate time to be like pressuring brie to kiss you and blaming on the fact that like she shot your toe (laughs) (laughs) time and place carlos time and place george seriously terrible But Carlos can't let it go, does not believe her when she says this, and calls her pharmacy to order more of her birth control to tamper with it. He has put sugar pills in her birth control. This is crazy because, like, it makes me think of, it's great the fact that we have these abilities to order prescriptions for, like, our spouse or whomever, but, like, oh my god, no, there's probably so many incidences like yeah, that. I don't think as your spouse should order it for you. I think you should order for yourself. And you tech and you can. That's the and thing. That's the thing. It's like I like ordering it, I'm very pro. And I think it's more in nowadays, sus where there are apps and you don't have to be on the phone. But Carlos literally said, I'm her husband. Yeah. And we need more. Like, yeah, no, that shouldn't he- have been okay it's that's crazy and then to go also just to like pick up prescriptions for people like I've done that a bunch of times oh yeah I'm picking up for this person sometimes you know if the person ordering a prescription literally can't go pick up their own prescription that's a very common problem so right right it's just wild because even if he did like you can tamper with anything exactly like nothing is safe (laughs) speaking of there's all that with this fentanyl crisis too like there's People are finding fentanyl in like just pills that they're ordering online for stuff. Like people who don't have insurance who have to order like insulin or yeah. things kind of in like black market territory because they can't afford anything else are dying from the slightest amount of fentanyl. It's really sad. Anyway, death is inevitable. <laughs> it sure is. As Mary Alice has told us, <laughs> it's a promise to each of us at birth. But before that promise is kept, we all hope for something exciting to happen to us. Um, You know, romance, all that boring stuff. But we all hope to experience something to make our lives meaningful. But the sad fact is not all lives have meaning. Some people live their whole lives in the sidelines, living on the sidelines, waiting for something to happen to them before it's too late. And we see George sitting with his TV dinner at alone, watching security tapes of Brie from the pharmacy. All also, our red flags were right. It looks like he's in a motel. 
the way that the like curtains are the closed curtains it's very strange I doubt he's supposed to be but it's just an odd (laughs) that is kind of motel vibes yeah this is one of those things where I get really sad where I think of like lonely people like the thought of like him being alone with his tv dinner is so sad and like something where like I feel real extreme empathy and like sadness and then I see him watching Bree's tapes and it all disappears I'm like you fucking perf but think about how many people are doing this and that's so gross it's terrifying I want I I keep seeing all these videos that people are posting where they like notice somebody in the grocery store has been filming them and then they call them out for it I've seen two now this woman she called out this guy on TikTok she was like you were just taking photos of me and he was like, oh, no, I wasn't. And she goes, no, yes, you fucking were. Go to your camera roll right now. And she makes him go to his camera roll and see. And she's like, what the fuck is that? That's a po- that's a picture of me. And then he gets all embarrassed. He's like, oh, uh, I'm sorry. And he has a kid with him. I saw another one, too. Ridiculous. Someone yeah. I know just posted a TikTok. And he's like, what the fuck? That's me in the TikTok. And like... <gasps> It was like someone just filming like at the beach, just like scrolling around. And it was like apparent it was in Spanish and apparently some it yeah. was said some homophobic shit about like oh, all these gay no. men endangering their lives and stuff at partying and stuff. I'm like, what are you doing there at the beach? You <laughs> like first of all, but but yeah, just like full like a series of multiple TikToks of and he's just clearly there, so clearly him like my, living his own life, having conversations, minding his own business as she's zooming in on him in a Speedo. Oh God. Like how violating. That's terrible. That's so, so awful. I know it's kind of creepy. I feel like TikTok is like the dark web. And I mean, yeah, George so would have been one of those creeps with his phone if that he was have. the right year. Yeah. But like, it's so alarming how okay people think it is just to film strangers in public and post it like publicly. No, you know, you'll see someone with their ass crack out and like film them on the subway from behind and post that. It's like, that's fucked up though. Like, yeah, I don't know. It felt when it was in the days of sending a Snapchat to one per like a couple people individuals, like if there was something like, okay, it's just your experience. Like that was a thing. But when it's to the point of just to anybody posting it and the line was already thin there like it was kind of fucked up but like it's easier to kind of understand and be like okay it's not the potential now to like go viral exactly so high that I think that's what's scary about it is like beforehand you know it goes to a few people at most maybe it spreads around like your school or right like like, the worst you could do is post it on your feed publicly to all your hundred classmates you know but now it's like anyone at any moment could have a million views on something for whatever reason it's just trending people are picking up on it tiktok is boosting it you see someone from like in a different country posting a video and you're in it wild i hope that never happens to me that's horrible to think about it really is and george would be no exception to this he would be doing it he would be I just, I want to know in public. like is he just like getting off by just watching them interact like what I think so well I think he's using it to reinforce a fantasy that he gets off on you yeah know? Like, like he's building watch- it up more like he re-watches the one interaction and like fantasizes a whole relationship 
And like any sort of smile or interaction from her is validation for exactly. him. He sees oh. her smile, laugh, maybe like touch his hand. And he's like all of this and reliving that validation over and over again till he believes it's a full-flung relationship. Yikes. George is sus. George is weird. Also, like George, even though I won't give anything away, but he does, he's more... At this point, what we know about George, he he is relatable to a lot of like people that get in weird, creepy rebound relationships. Yeah. Like it's just common. He's a classic, friendly, kind incel who like yes. masks that really well. Yeah. Masks the creep. Definitely. Someone everyone would describe as polite, nice, and friendly. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones you gotta watch out for. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Watch out for them. Ugh, I hate them so much. I hate anyone who like just like Susan parades around like a innocent, friendly, nice person. Yeah. And, like is no. actually horrible. You're doing some you're burning shit. Horrible down. manipulative. When niceness is manipulative, ugh, fuck off. And on that note, we'll be back with Bachelor next. Yes, we will. 